The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Wednesday, April 12th in Hong Kong, Tuesday, April 11th in New York. And coming up today, markets brace for U.S. inflation data and whether the numbers support more Fed rate hikes. The IMF warns that turmoil in the banking sector could weigh on the global economy. And China plans to require a security review of AI services before they're allowed to operate. Hungary defies EU, does Russia deal. Poland Prime Minister warns not to let Ukraine support Wayne. New York DA sues Jim Jordan to stop Trump case interference. Large U.S.-Philippine military drills. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. Two Fed officials offering differing views on the central bank's next move. New York Fed President John Williams told Yahoo Finance that officials will still have more work to do here on inflation, and that's despite the uncertainty in the banking sector. Williams said that the Fed's path will depend on incoming economic data. But he suggested that one more interest rate hike this year, followed by a pause, would be a reasonable starting place. In the meantime, though, Chicago Fed President Austin Goolsbee called for prudent and patience when assessing the economic impact of of these tighter credit conditions. Given how much uncertainty abounds when these financial headwinds are going, I guess I, I think we need to be cautious. We should gather further data and we should be extra careful about raising rates too aggressively until we see how much work the headwinds are doing for us in getting inflation down. Markets are pricing in now a strong likelihood the Fed will raise borrowing by a quarter percentage point. Fed officials will discuss monetary policy at the next meeting, May 2nd. Mentioned uh, the CPI data a little bit earlier, 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time. That will be Wednesday morning, U.S. And we have a preview from Bloomberg's Michael McKee. The Fed is all about inflation these days, which puts a lot of focus on the consumer price index. The problem for markets is it's not likely to provide the kind of definitive rate clues investors want. Headline CPI is forecast to be cut in half, which will mean a big drop in the year-over-year rate. But core, which gets more attention from the central bank, isn't likely to budge and may actually rise year-over-year. Since the Fed doesn't meet again until May 3rd, officials will have to look at all sorts of other data to divine where inflation will be then. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. 
The International Monetary Fund warned that it's too soon to sound the all clear from the turmoil that has shaken the world financial system. That's according to a statement in the semi-annual Global Financial Stability Report. The IMF saying that financial markets remain fragile and stressed following bank collapses. The stability report was released shortly after the IMF published an update to its world economic outlook. In the outlook, the IMF trimmed its projections for global growth. IMF chief economist Pierre-Olivier Gorincha has warned of high uncertainty going forward. This is reflecting basically the fact that we have, uh, you know, advanced economies are reopening or moving ahead, China reopening, and at the same time we have the tightening of monetary policy that is, that is weighing in, plus a little bit of financial instability that could weigh down on, on, on bank lending, for instance. So you put all of this in the mix and that's where you have our baseline. Gorinshaw says there's maybe some lurking vulnerabilities still there in the financial system. And he said it's very important for financial supervisors as well as regulators and authorities to look carefully at these pockets of vulnerability that might still exist. At the same time today, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen simply shrugged off the recent turmoil that we've seen in the banking sector. She went on to say the American economy is in a better place than it was just six months ago. Here is Yellen speaking during a press conference earlier today in Washington. Prices of commodities like food and energy have stabilized, supply chain pressures continue to ease, and global growth projections remain higher than they were in the fall. Treasury Secretary Yellen there, she went on to say she has yet to see evidence at this stage anyway of a contraction in credit, but she does say that does remain a risk. Yellen's comments come despite last week's economic data, one data point indicating that U.S. lending contracted by the most on record during the last two weeks of March. It's indication of tighter credit conditions in the wake of several high-profile bank collapses. And Yellen repeated the U.S. banking system remains sound and with strong capital and liquidity positions. Meantime, China is planning to require a security review of generative AI services before they're allowed to operate. We get that story from Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann. China's Cyberspace Administration said AI service providers must ensure content is accurate and respects intellectual property. The content must not involve discrimination or endanger security. AI operators must also clearly label AI-generated content. The review casts uncertainty over some of the chat GPT-like bots introduced by China's big tech companies. Those firms include Alibaba and Baidu. After the announcement, Alibaba shares gave up much of their initial gains on Tuesday, and Baidu shares also slid as much as 7%. In Hong Kong, I'm Yvonne Mann, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. And those shares continued to trundle a bit lower with their ADRs in the United States. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Doug Krisner. And Doug, you got to love a tussle in the exciting world of, of high finance. Uh, put John Williams on one side saying rate increases didn't cause the bank collapses, and then the IMF begging to differ. <laughs> uh, that's what makes a market, right? I think yeah. that's a fair point. You know, we talked about the CPI print that we're expecting tomorrow. The other thing that's going to be happening tomorrow, Brian, minutes from the last Fed meeting. And I think beyond that, arguably, the more critical data that we're going to get this week, bank earnings. We'll have to wait until Friday, though. It's J.P. Morgan Chase along with Citigroup and Wells Fargo, particularly given a lot of the turmoil that we have seen across the banking sector recently. The issue of forward guidance, I think, is going to be very critical where balance sheets are right now. Liquidity issues. Very, very important, I think. 
Yeah, and we had a pretty good day for the uh, financial spiders today, up nine-tenths of a percent. It was another slightly unusual day. I mean, it looked like a very weak performance broadly, the S&P 500 flat and all. But we had another day of, of quite good performance by industrials, materials, energy shares, uh, the, the cyclicals. And we had, I think, the fifth day and sixth that we saw selling in tech. So I think most of this is really just churn, as mentioned, and maybe mean reversion because tech got off to such a big start uh, this year. One of the quick mention, Buffett, adding to his positions in Japanese trading houses, maybe a, a cheap way to play energy. Maybe, but at the same time, I thought it was interesting, too, that he's dialing back on Taiwan Semi. It was only over the weekend that Taiwan Semi reported that 15% drop in revenue. But Buffett is highlighting a lot of geopolitical risk in kind of getting out of Taiwan Semi. I thought that was a, an interesting uh, little takeaway. It may also just have been some profit taking, uh, but this add to these uh, Japanese trading houses, uh, which uh, do feature a lot of their profits from energy, uh, has gained him $4.5 billion since 2020 when he moved on these. So he, he tends to just always seem to get his uh, timing right. No, yeah. that's why they call him the Oracle of Omaha. Absolutely. Yeah, his timing is uh, impeccable. Mark Chandler will join us in a few moments, Managing Director at Bannockburn Global. It's time for Global News. Hungary has defied the EU by sealing economic deals with Moscow. Ed Baxter with Global News in the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, the poly, uh, poly geopolitical dynamics here are really strong, Brian. These are energy deals made in a rare visit by an EU member to Russia. It underscores a divide forming over commitment to Ukraine. A quick response from Poland's Prime Minister Morawiecki. If we do not defend Ukraine, we risk a global conflict, global crisis of uh, difficult to imagine proportions. And says Ukraine is just the beginning, and this made more difficult today as more and more information comes out of what is supposed to be the leaked U.S. Pentagon emails. Bloomberg's Nick Wadhams on Bloomberg Sound On says one indicates Ukraine will run out of ammunition and materials, but also have air defense problems. It seems to be we're really peeling back the veneer a bit and getting into the real nitty-gritty of just how worried U.S. officials are about how Ukraine's going to be able to defend itself against Russia. And the cautions they need to be authenticated. But former U.S. Ambassador to Morocco Mark Ginsburg on Soundown says it goes even further. This is an unmitigated disaster for the U.S. government. And it's not only a painful uh, uh, leak that is undermining U.S. credibility, but it's also placing at risk the very military effort that the United States has been engaged in to support Ukraine. Now he says there's grave concern at the Pentagon. The Pentagon says it's going to turn over every rock to get to the bottom of it. Brazilian President Lula going to travel to China, one stop in Shanghai at the Huawei site. Lula says he hopes for trade and peace. He calls it a goodwill tour. In what are being described as the largest combat exercises in decades across the South China Sea and Taiwan Strait, U.S. enforcers from Philippines are carrying on those exercises. U.S. Major General Eric Austin is leading the charge. Approximately 17,600 participants in total 
demonstrating our commitment to each other and to our mutual defense treaty. And this comes through right after China finished large-scale exercises, of course, in the Strait and surrounding Taiwan. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg has sued House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan, seeking to keep him from interfering in any way with a case against Donald Trump. Jordan has subpoenaed a former senior prosecutor to testify at the hearings. Bloomberg's Mario Parker says it is a very risky move. Already where that it was politically motivated, right? But at the same time, Republicans, Jim Jordan, Donald Trump's biggest allies, they're playing tough. So what do you do in New York? You probably have a street fight, right? Bragg is asking for emergency order to stop the subpoena. New York Governor Kathy Hochul says New York will fight back against the forces trying to pry back health care for reproductive rights. Speaking of Planned Parenthood, a Greater New York Digital News Conference today, she pledges support. And last year, the attacks were on abortion procedures. This year, medication abortion. What's next? Contraception? Birth control? Governor Hochul says the state will stockpile 150,000 doses of the so-called abortion pill and commit another $20 million to providers if the Texas court ruling stands. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis here in Hong Kong. Rashad Salamat is with us in Singapore. And our guest is Mark Chandler, Managing Director at Bannockburn Global. Mark, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of fear in the market uh, at the moment over this CPI print. Uh, everybody's waiting on it. It seems like people are kind of used to it, seeing it between 5 and 6%. And they know the Fed is getting close to the end of its tightening cycle. Uh, does it have the potential, though, to rock markets? Yeah, thanks, Brian. It's a good question. I mean, everybody's been waiting for this CPI number. In this, in this economic cycle, it's really the CPI is the key release. But I think that might be like yesterday's story. And here's why. I think that between the employment data and the inflation data, the market knows the Fed would like to raise interest rates further. You know, before the financial stress hit, uh, Powell was talking about higher for longer, and the market was pricing at five and three quarters Fed funds rate. So now I think that the focus is really shifting. I think uh, someone said it in, the, in one of your previous shows about the importance of Thursday and Friday Federal Reserve data. On Thursday, after the market's closed, the Federal Reserve tells us how much the banks are borrowing from it. And what we're focusing on, of course, is emergency borrowing from both the discount window 
and the new Fed facilities. And secondly, on Friday, we get the numbers that tells us about the banks, about the bank lending and bank deposits. And that's really the concern to me is that CNI loans. So banks have a lot of different types of loans. They were big sellers of mortgage-backed securities, which in effect reduces their loan book. But the focus on, for the economy, I think, ought to be on the commercial and industry loans. They have fallen in the, past, in the last two weeks of March by a record amount and sounds small. It's only two and a half percent of overall loans have, fall, have been reduced. Typically in a recession, we get to 20 to 25 percent. But this is a big move for two weeks. And I suspect that when the Fed talks about economic data, this is really what they're talking about now. Mark, that is something we'll come to in a second in a little more detail. It's something that uh, Brian and I have been really talking about, the credit conditions. But I just want to zoom in on the the inflation side of it. And, uh, you know, with China uh, at the moment, with some of the lowest inflation, or even deflation in some cases, uh, this is something the Fed surely must be watching, given that the idea was after reopening, we would see China exporting inflation. We could see it going reverting to exporting disinflation. I, I know, you know, I think a lot of people talk like that, and uh, but I, I'm really suspicious. Here's why. You know, last year or two years ago, people were telling us that the PPI in China is somehow correlated to U.S. CPI, even though what China exports to the U.S. is primarily consumer goods. And from those consumer goods, it gets to a port, say a New Jersey port or a Los Angeles port. By the time I buy it as a consumer, there are so many middlemen as we transport it, market it, store it, insure it, that I might be looking at a price twice what it comes into the, into the U.S. at. Secondly, when it comes to CPI, Federal Reserve has been, I think that Powell especially, has been very good about pointing us in the direction of services, X housing, X shelter. These, are, these kind of prices, service goods, ex- core service goods, excluding food, energy, and shelter, these are domestic homegrown issues. So I, I kind of think that it, we think that China is going to hurt us or help us. But in the U.S., I think most of our challenges are really homegrown. Shelter costs, uh, medical costs, uh, other services. These are what's rising. And, you know, when we look at the CPI, it's not just that last year's high numbers drop off. But you look at what's happening. In the, if you look at the first quarter, and, and I think the, uh, the median forecast in the Bloomberg surveys for a two-tenths rise in the headline rate, that turns into a 4.4% annualized rate in Q1. In yeah. Q4, it was 3.2%. So inflation is accelerating in the wrong direction. And tomorrow, we might see that core rate pick up. So yeah. uh, the bias, I think, on the inflation from the Fed's point of view is it's too high and they need to take more action. Yeah. So are you estimating just one more or do you think more aggressive than that? Well, you know, when, when the financial stress hit, the, the issue is how much is that financial tightening doing some of the Fed's heavy lifting? And, and of course, the market priced it in like it was going to be an 08 crisis again and began pricing in not only would the Fed be done, but they'd be cutting rates by 100 basis points this year. And so the, the pendulum has swung back a bit, and the market now says the May hike, and that's it. And I think there might be one after that. Mm. I, just, I, I think that the economy is proving itself a fairly resilient and, you know, it's also like you take a look at, like, the, uh, the Atlanta Fed's GDP tracker, and I, they're talking about uh, 2.2%. It doesn't sound like a lot, but 2.2% from the Fed's point of view is above the speed limit. And the speed limit you get from the, the uh, 
the summary of economic projections, what their long-term forecast is. Non-inflationary growth is, is seen around 1.7%, and here's going to be another quarter where the economy grows faster than that. So you're in the Yellen camp that everything's pretty rosy out there. No, I mean, I, I, I think that we should be watching those financial conditions and, uh, and especially those loans. But I think that right now, the Federal Reserve's attitude is something like this. Interest rates are important to, to guide the overall economy. They have other tools to address the financial stress, which does seem to be easing. I mean, I was just looking at the, uh, the KBW bank index. It's up for uh, the third day in a row today, up 1%, uh, 1.3% almost in the U.S., and that's uh, like, I want to say it's like uh, eight or nine days out of the last three weeks. It's up, which is a, so I, I think bank shares are recovering. And it's the loans that's the real issue now. Yeah. So, uh, Mark, that brings me nicely to what we were going to talk about earlier and what you also alluded to earlier, mm. too. And that is how concerned are you about underlying issues of base liquidity? Yeah, so base liquidity, it's like one of these measures like real interest rates. Everybody has their own definition of. It is a concern to me that M2 is actually contracting. That's a broad measure of money supply is actually not just growing slowly, but actually falling. So I'm, I'm worried that we're headed to a recession, but it's sort of like one of those Aesop's fables about the, uh, about the fox and the scorpion. Both sides have to do what they have to do. The Federal Reserve, I think, uh, slow to begin raising rates in this cycle slow to begin the tapering. And so I think that the risk is that uh, it has to overdo it this time on the tightening yeah. side to demonstrate its resolve. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. Uh, just finally, uh, maybe 30 seconds or so, do you like Warren Buffett's move into Japan, uh, adding to his positions in those trading houses? You know, it's very interesting because we're seeing this among our clients as well. You know, when you look at, uh, on, on a page Bloomberg has, w, WCRS, you can get the OECD's measure of purchasing power parity. And typically, the OECD currencies don't move more than 20% away from the fair value, purchasing power parity by the OECD's model. But as we sit here today, the euro is over 50% undervalued. The yen is 40% undervalued. So I think yeah. for a dollar-based investors, buy, buying those assets in Japan or Europe, you get yep. the currency, even if it takes a couple of years to normalize. And that's a good, that's an interesting call, even given that the dollar has weakened since uh, last October. Anyway, we got to go, Mark. Thanks so much. Mark Chandler, Managing Director at Bannockburn Global. This is Bloomberg. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? 
You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.